Hello and welcome to episode 903 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, March 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. Baseball's in the air and a lot of draft prep going on. First beat, Paul Spore, is tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Central Time. It'll be on Twitch, twitch.tv slash spore. Come through. See, uh, see, if, see if folks can take me down. Then I got an afternoon one on, on Monday afternoon, the 15th, with our mutual friend Colin Weatherwax. Two of our mutual friends, Dusty Wagner and Colin Weatherwax in that one. So I'm very excited for both those drafts. Yeah, th- um, this is bullshit, by the way. I, I know you're so mad, and I love it. I have, I've stolen your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've completely stolen He him. stops playing uh, fantasy baseball, and he's all, oh, I'm going to play one league, and it's going to be the Beat Paul Sport League. <laughs> that hey, might- man. We hang out every night. He hangs out on the Twitch stream. We, we, we're hooping together. Um, he's my best friend. I'm sorry. You've been replaced. Get out of here. In fact, big news, Colin Weatherwax, new podcast co-host. <laughs> He'd be a good choice. Colin, He would, I mean... dude. His voice is amazing, yeah. and he's remarkably smart. Colin is seriously one of the best guys. Um, he's actually, uh, hilariously enough, going to be in town uh, and possibly for the draft, so he might be on my stream on Monday when we do the when we do the draft because he has to be in town for for work. So, uh, but no, seriously, he's he's awesome, um, and he was going to kind of take the year off. And I was like, "There's one more spot." I'm just saying, and it would really piss Justin off. I think that's what sold it when I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, <laughs> I mean, this was your mistake because he's also a really really good player. That's, so. the, the tough part is that he's awesome, and so is Dusty. So it's like I encourage them to get in. Uh, but they're really going to live up to the name of the league, Beat mm-hmm. Paul Sport, uh, because they're both incredible. So I made life much more difficult on myself, but I also got two badasses in the league. Among others, by the way, there's a few others from my Twitch stream that are going to be in, in each of the two drafts. So I'm really happy about that. It should be a lot of fun. Big thanks to NFBC for letting me do that. And uh, I'm very excited to broadcast both of those. So you can see them on twitch.tv slash It'll be a lot of fun. But let's talk. Uh, let's talk one big piece of news, which is unfortunate. Then some spring standouts. I want to see if you're moving them up your board or not, based on these early offensive, uh, uh, you know, explosions here. And then we're going to get into the Central and West closers for the National League. We're going to wrap it up today. We're done talking closers. They both drive. They, they drive both of us nuts. And uh, we're done. You know, we we don't want to talk about them anymore right now. It's been a headache. So we will we will take the uh, the appropriate time. To get through these two divisions, but then after that, I want I want a breather from closers because uh, they just bother me. You you know it's going to be a nightmare this year. Mm-hmm. But let's start with the bad news. Unfortunately, Forrest Whitley, good to have Tommy John, man. And listen, I know there's been some self inflicted stuff. Um, he's got some got some off the field that he has to kind of keep keep in check. Um, but dude can't catch a break because even as he's kind of fixing everything on the on the off the field side and kind of getting his mind right and getting ready to go now he deals with this and now it's another year to 15 months before we're going to see the uh, the one-time mega prospect in the majors and at this point i mean you just can't have the same outlook for him that his prospect status suggested right yeah i mean at this point i mean this is the hard part about investing in prospect pitchers right for um, sure, is people have been waiting forever for him because he's been one of the top, if not the top, uh, pros- uh, pitching prospect in baseball, uh, and 
it does, pitching's hard, man, and health can be an issue, and, you know, learning, you know, proper mechanics, and, uh, you know, this is why you had the old podcast, the Tinstat podcast, right? Now, there's no mm-hmm. such thing as a pitching prospect, so, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think in, I mean, obviously, this is, we're talking about for Dynasty Leagues, I pretty much would take whatever I could get for him at this point. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even... I, I I really wouldn't even be that interested in trying to hold him. And I think, you know, I think you could make a trade somewhere, but push came to shove and you're looking at like a James Anderson or uh, uh, is it the Welsh's list or even mine, but uh, theirs are better. I will freely admit that they, <laughs> I, I took my first foray into it and I feel good about what I put together, but uh, they're awesome as well. But if you look at any of these dynasty lists and you kind of found a pet player that you really liked and you had to cut somebody, and it was it was Whitley. I I honestly wouldn't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. I, I really wouldn't because, in addition to being out now for the next uh, year plus, he doesn't have a hundred innings in a single season. So like, mm-hmm. what's he even going to do when he gets back? So you're waiting on him that much longer. Remember, in nineteen, he couldn't get the call even as they needed guys. It was you know, they just kept bypassing him because he was having such a struggle at AAA. So. Yeah, I really, I, I don't see any reason to uh, to have him all that high on your list. I had him 106 on my list before this. Obviously, I mean, when I update, he's off. Yeah. I won't even have my in my top 200, and I don't think that's out of bounds. No, I don't either. I mean, at, at this point, he has to show some before we can even buy back in. Yep, yep. So that's where it's at with uh, with Whitley. That does cut a potential leg of depth out from under Houston. But even then, they weren't. You know, I don't think we said word one about him when Fromber went down. Maybe a passing mention. Yeah, I think I mentioned what uh, Kevin Goldstein had said in his chat, which is he's got the widest range of outcomes of any yeah. pitcher in the minor leagues. Yeah, you did. You did mention that, and and this just adds to that volatility, of course. So, uh, wish him the best uh, with with the recovery and everything. But this is this is really tough. All right, let's talk. Let's talk on the positive end. Then we got some spring standouts. Uh, some hitters just going off. And I didn't include Bobby Dahlbeck on this because we talked about him last episode. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear some Bobby Dahlbeck information, but, yeah. he's hit like another homer. I think a grand slam yeah. yesterday since we did that. So he just he's adding to that spring hype right now. But let's uh, let's start with somebody who's it's very easy for him to drum up some hype. And that is Joey Gallo. He's already got five spring homers. Now, he's had an interesting trajectory. Remember, he had the, the breakout in in 19 but it was 70 games but it had a 253 average and everyone was really excited about it and i remember i had my trepidation on it because a lot of it was built on a 333 average against lefties which included a 500 babip so obviously is that, that was coming down yeah it's a little it's a touch high it's a touch high and everything came crashing back to earth last year um played 57 games so almost the full season hit 181 Went back to a 143 average, 161 BABIP combo against lefty. So the complete opposite end of the spectrum there. Uh, but I, I I still think that's more in line with what you should be expecting. Between the, uh, like, Yes, he'll beat 143, 161 this year. I feel pretty good about that. He should be in the low 200s. But the 253 average to me was never, never in play. And so we love the power. And this is what he can do. Five homers in like, what, seven, eight games. Uh, in spring training, 
But is he somebody that you're moving up your board based on this, or is this just you know a, a gallo run that we're familiar that we know can happen? Because he is moving up on board. So if if you're not moving him up, then you're probably not getting him because folks are definitely doing that. Hmm, this is a difficult one because I mean we know that Gallo has power, right? I mean yeah. all things being equal, he's probably got the most amount of power in the major leagues. He's certainly in the conversation, if if not the most. Yes. Yeah. So. Like, him hitting a bunch of spring home runs doesn't necessarily move the needle for me, necessarily. What does move the needle a little bit is that he made some mechanical changes to his swing. Okay. Um, and so, I'm there's part of me that's like, ooh, will this help him maybe make a little bit more contact because the problem isn't necessarily that he you know can't hit for power he's always been able to hit for power yeah i mean he's a power god even even while making limited contact he has 240 homer seasons neither of which saw him bat over 210 though Mm -hmm. and the problem is he's got a career 60 percent contact percentage and a career 18 percent swing and strike percentage Mm -hmm. and so I'm more interested to see how much contact he's been making during spring. And I honestly haven't had a chance to go look he, at the numbers. He has three strikeouts in, um, in I'll tell you the at-bat count, in 14 at-bats. Only one walk, so 15 plate appearances. Three strikeouts. That's not so, bad for him. It's fine. I, I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, 20%. Honestly, if his, if his strikeout rate starts with a two, That'd be that'd be big for Joey Gallo if you yeah. can do that for a full season because um, with that kind of power that that'd be the best he ever had. What what's his best strikeout rate? You're on his page right now, right? Yeah, he, it was last year. It was thirty five percent. So yeah, I mean, like I said, anything with a two, even twenty nine, would be six points shaved off. Um, let alone if he was able to get to the mid or low twos, uh, then that then you would start to see something with batting average being in play of like a 230 plus, mm-hmm. which would be so much more palatable. Um, and then, you're, you know, 50 homers are in play and all that. So at 27, I don't think he's completely a finished product. And if he's making some changes, I like that. Um, but for me, I got to go in until I really see something. I got to go in thinking it's a low 200s average, 40 homers mm-hmm. and, and, you know, five to seven steals. I, I like the counting categories there. But that batting average, you really have to plan around it. And it can't just be one player. You can't just say DJ LeMahieu and you're good because then everybody else has to be above a certain threshold. So I think you need like two, maybe three batting average forces to really negate Gallo and take him on. And, I mean, if you if you just pair him with one guy and that one guy doesn't deliver, like, let's say, yeah. I mean, we feel really confident about DJ LeMahieu, but, like, let's say you did it with, like, Michael Brantley, right? And then Michael Brantley has a 230 BABIP that year and just gets really unlucky. Or um, um, he doesn't even have to get that unlucky. What if he just hits, like, 280, which is good, but not enough or to count? Hurt. Yes, yes. But has, uh, yeah. Uh, has 280 plate appearances, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what if, what if that's what it is? Yeah. So there's things that could happen. Like even DJ LeMahieu to counterbalance Gallo, you're hoping for three something. What if he has just a quality 291, which would be a good season, but it wouldn't do what it was supposed to, yeah. to tip the scales for Gallo. So that's the tough part about going on one guy. You need a base of average to, to take that on. But, I mean, he is a guy that, with a dead and ball and everybody else's power numbers going down, he's got real manpower. He's not going to, yeah. you know. His will not. Yeah. I mean, like, 
yeah, the the Stantons, judges, and Gallows, like they might be affected a little bit by one here and there, but to the degree of of they're not going to the, lose five baseline seven homers. No chance, no chance. Yeah, because I mean, they just they, they they club the ball so far that um, it's going four hundred instead of four twenty, maybe like <laughs> that's kind of what we're talking about with them. So um, probably haven't been enough completed drafts to see a move on Gallo yet, but I imagine you'll highlight him uh, in your next update once we get some drafts in to see if it's affecting him. Yeah, and there should be a new update probably, I don't know, probably next week sometime. It's so hard we're running out of time in the, in the preseason. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and there's so, I have so much to post. I may end up just having to do double posts uh, a few times next week just to try to get as much in before people do all their drafts. I can't believe it's, we're already in uh, March 11th. It, it really is like... It's, it's go time. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, that's Joey Gallo. He he will move up. I'd be careful. Don't overrate it. If people in in your league want to go crazy, um, let them. But if he stays, you know, around a fair price, you can invest. But plan plan properly for it, or else you will be hurt by that batting average. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a uh, Detroit Tiger Willie Castro with three home runs already. I'm pretty impressed by that because. I mean, it's just it's three homers in spring, but I like seeing a little pop there from Castro because that's not he 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 projects to be kind of like a a bit of everything sort of guy, like a like a you know fifteen twelve hitting two seventy five sort of guy to where it adds up to an eighteen to twenty dollar player if he if he plays six hundred point appearances, but nothing stands out. So we see three homers here. Probably just a hot stretch, but what do you think? He had a nice little breakout with the Tigers in his 36-game stint last year, 140 plate appearances of a 150 WRC plus with six homers. We're not expecting anything like that, but I guess what's your general vibe on him here overall? Maybe not influenced by the three homers, but just uh, where you at on the 24-year-old Willie Castro in general? Uh, Prior to like a few days ago, I'd kind of been completely out. Um, you know, I mean, his profile coming up from the minor leagues was a guy who wasn't going to flash very much power, um, and that, uh, you know, his biggest asset was going to be stolen bases on a team that I don't know that's going to run very much, uh, considering, you know, A.J. Hinch, uh, is, you know, tendencies when he was in Houston, um, and just kind of... I wonder if he lets, if he lets a, a, a rebuilding team run a little bit more. I, I, I wonder. I, I don't know for sure. I, this, I'm, I'm just super curious about it because... You know, kind of why not? Maybe maybe make some things happen on the basis. It may, I mean, I think there may be some opportunities, but it's also like a kind of a big, slow team for the most part. Well, yeah, and, and for the, to your point, by the way, Castro is 0 for 2 in the majors, and he has yeah. 100, uh, he has 250 plate appearances. So he hasn't run yet. This is Hinch. It's a, he's mm-hmm. a new manager, and they're not, uh, like you said, they're not set up to run. Victor Reyes, when he plays, should probably have a green light. Jacoby Jones should have like a greenish light. And then we're hoping Castro can get kind of a, mm-hmm. a yellow green light himself. But everybody else there has Robbie no Grossman business. might. Yeah, Grossman. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah uh, four to seven himself. But then everybody else should be parked on first base when they get there and not even looking yeah. to do anything. Nico Goodrum's another one, but he's not a starter. Yeah. Well, and Victor Reyes might not be a starter either. Right now, I know. have him in a. Uh, short side platoon, uh, which is kind of crazy. But uh, getting back to Castro, he has hit either five or six balls this spring already over 100 miles an hour. 
Okay, so he's not here stroking. And he's doing something that I think is really important for a young player that we don't talk about in fantasy, which is playing really, really good defense. Yes, because that solidifies your spot. Mm-hmm. And so I had been kind of out on him, uh, and now I'm starting to change my tune a little bit. I, I'm dropping my second base rings tomorrow, and so my, my third and shortstop uh, won't be out until probably Monday, maybe over the weekend. We'll see. Um, but Are you redoing new comments? Uh, n- some of them, like when okay. comments need to be updated. Uh, okay. You know, but, uh, I mean, we're talking like 50 per position, so. Uh, that, that's the thing, and they're, they're, they're harder than you think, at least for me, because, you know, some of them you can just say something, like you said, uh, Bobby Dalvik. He's like, so no, that just came to your head right away. But if you want to quote a stat or something, you got to dig in, you got to find the little tidbit. So those comments are more challenging than I think they might uh, they might appear, yeah, at least I, for I, me. I, I forgot to update CJ Kron's. Like, I moved him up the rankings. He went from, like, you know, the 40th first baseman to the 16th first baseman. Um, but I forgot to change that needs a home. And so every, <laughs> everybody in the comment section this morning was all, oh, he has a home. He signed a month ago. I'm like, well, it, he hadn't signed when I did my original you know- post and i forgot to change that so yeah and they could have at least they could have been like more polite about it because you clearly moved him back up yeah i moved it i moved him up like 24 spots so it's like so, you yeah. you had realized that you had just forgotten to uh to, to update the, by the way he's raking in spring too he, he was a non-roster invite but he's got a good uh, good opportunity to get there but um anyway sorry continue there so yeah if castro is playing really good defense which it, it it looks like he's been i mean some of the beat writers have just been kind of raving on, uh, I mean, uh, on just how great he's looked in the field, and now he's showing some power. And it's not just hey, he hit a f- you know a, a few home runs. It's it's more about you know the average exit velocity on kind of those hard hit balls that I'm mm-hmm. liking to see. He should probably move up my ranks a fair amount. Um, so the question becomes, how far can I get away with moving him before I'm just going a little bit crazy with this yeah I, I mean i was a little bit or i mean I, i'm not a little bit i was a lot lower on him than the market i had him as my 35th shortstop um Let me see where i had him. I, had, I had him 23rd and uh my 36th third baseman so he's i can easily say he will move up into the top 30 probably around the Will like under the Willie Adamas, so like the um, I had him Andrews. right above Willie Adamas. I went double Willies right there at 23 24. Well, and I can see the argument for that because he's got third and shortstop eligibility, which is and that nice. was exactly the uh tiebreaker there. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I what I was thinking. So I may end up moving him kind of in that you know low third or low 20s type spot, like the Elvis Andrews, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, David Fletcher you know, area for me, um, mm-hmm. at shortstop. And then at third base, we're, then we're talking about like him moving into the top 30, you know, right around Heimer Candelario kind of spot. And other guys will move down. So it may actually end up being, you know, Evan Longoria needs to move down cause he's not healthy and, and probably going to platoon, which is surprising to me, but I, I know that seems wild, but that's, that's kind of where he's at right now. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm liking him more and more, as spring goes on, so definitely a guy I'm going to. I've kind of changed my tune on a little bit, uh, and I like will it. continue to do so. 
And that's Willie Castro. And the defense piece that you mentioned was uh, the primary focus. I listened to that first Tigers game um, when spring started on radio, and that's all they talked about with him. Like, basically, they were barely calling his his at-bats. It was his defense needs to happen. And he actually had a little flub in that game, and they were kind of bummed about that. So from that point forward, he has already tightened up because there is a lot of intense focus on Willie Castro's defense. I think you can move up that lineup, too. we got a projected ninth right now. I don't think they're married to that. Um, I, th- I feel like he could easily move up into the uh, into the six, seven area, and maybe even to the top of the order if things work out for him. He goes two and bumps everybody else down, because Scope at three, uh, Miggy at four, like that. there's nothing wrong with that. So mm-hmm. there's some there's some upward mobility possibly for Castro, and he's just like one of those accumulators. Kind of boring, but a glue guy that you can put at CI or MI. That's what I like about the the shortstop third base eligibility is that you can put him at four different spots. So, uh, all right, if we're going to need to be a little quicker on some of these, or else we're never going to get to the NL West. <laughs> Ryan O'Hearn has three homers. Uh, I, I just want to think him out. He pulls me right back in because I yeah I'm a sucker for this guy, but question is. Can he can he secure a can he secure a full time role with KC right now? We don't even have him on on the starting roster, yeah. uh, so we'll see how that goes. But he's still on the forty man. Obviously, with Santana there, that cuts off first base a bit. Uh, we have Soler at DH right now, and Benintendi, Michael A. Taylor, Whit Merrifield is the outfield. But what I think O'Hearn does in an interesting way, and I mean you'll understand it makes sense when I say it. He's threatening Nicky Lopez's playing time by way of Merrifield goes to second, Solaire back in the outfield, even though they don't love to do that, and then O'Hearn plays first yeah, or deep. I, I don't think they want Solaire in the outfield. If, if yeah, Nicky but, Lopez but if, loses if he's him, playing this well and Nicky Lopez is a bad strange. player, like they have to. No, well, yeah. it's no, it's yeah. I mean, Lopez is terrible, dude. Come on. Exactly. They could put Whit Merrifield at second and they could put someone like Edward Olivares. Well, yeah, but like I'm trying to talk about the guy who's actually performing right now and yeah, crushing. I don't think it matters. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, here's the problem is like they have other guys that could f- come in for Nicky Lopez. Hansers Alberto, you know, they've got they signed Gerard Dyson. Uh, I believe to a major John league. Dice is not going to start in any capacity whatsoever. You're insane. Yeah, I don't think he's the Ryan quintessential. Is either. That's the brother. problem. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not buying this. I, I think this one's an easy. Uh, I mean, if, if he makes the opening day roster, then he could be an interesting fab pickup. Um, and you know, one of the things I haven't checked, and I'm going to check while I'm talking to you. Uh, is uh, I don't know if you listen to Sunday's podcast, but we had Mike, I have not yet. We had Mike Curland on, and he's got an amazing Google Sheet he's running with all the spring lineups. I was all over it, looking at it yesterday, just enjoying the excellence. So you know, we can take like a quick look and go. Okay. Oh, Hearn's playing like every day, but he's not really. But he is. He played three or four days this week. What are you talking about? Oh, oh sorry. I missed I missed his Monday start because they moved him down in the lineup. So, yeah. Um, inter- and they had Solaire play right field. So, I'm telling you. This might be. Threatening Nicky Lopez's playing time. He absolutely. If he performs like this, because he's also taking walks. It's not just three spring homers. 
Look at what he's doing there with the walks, four walks. He does have seven strikeouts, too. Listen, I'm not here to say O'Hearn's a god, okay? I, I fell for him after 2018. Thought he had some some burgeoning Matt Olson uh, aspects to him. And then he was a disaster for the last two seasons uh, with equal 195 batting averages. And took his walks in those years. Has an 11% walk rate in that time. But he's 190, 195, 287, 351. So that's a huge problem. But the power's there right now. And he is still just 27. I'm just not ruling it out. It is going to be tough because they would rather not put Soler in the outfield. I just think it's something to keep an eye on a lot more than you do. How about that? Yeah, sure. I think that's fair. Because a guy who could possibly hit 25 has some interest to me. But he, he would really benefit himself more than these three homers is if he was cutting down the strikeouts. But he has seven yeah. in 21 plate appearances. And that's... That's, that's, a a, that's an issue that I can't explain away for O'Hearn. Yeah. All right, let's talk about one that I, I definitely think you're in on because I believe you were in on this guy before, like myself, and that's Ty France, who is out of his mind in spring right now. Not only does he have three homers, but he's hitting 615, which is like the best in 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 baseball right now. Um, he has a, a 21-28 OPS which is kind of decent. Five of his eight hits have gone for extra bases. I mean, a, you know, a, a run like this in spring only matters to the degree that it's like uh, solidifying him. We already knew he was, he was going to start, though. It looks like he's the starting DH. Kyle Seager's still a good defender, even at age 33. But Ty France might bat in the middle of that lineup. And that's not, that's not an awful lineup in that, there's capable players up and down it, and he would be sandwiched between two of them, Seager and Dylan Moore, uh, with with Crawford, Hanniger, Kyle Lewis at the top there, getting some guys on for on ba- for for RBI opportunities. And I think France, with a full time role, is going to be really interesting this year. So the fact that he's tearing the cover off the ball actually hurts because it's just going to add to his fantasy interest. That's going to uh, cut into the value that I can get when I was already on him. Yeah, this is an interesting one because France is one of those guys where I just was like, eh, don't really care that much. Um, okay, yeah, I thought I thought you were in on him, but uh, maybe it's Jason that is then. Yeah, uh, but here's the thing: like, he doesn't profile as anything like that interesting, but he's done something that I think sometimes get overlooked in kind of uh, our industry is that he has hit everywhere he's gone. Like, he just hits. Like, it's, um, and like, in Triple in A in, uh, uh, in the majors in 2019, he hit 34 home runs between the two levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yet, last year, he, you know, between the two teams, it was only 155 plate appearances because he wasn't playing much in San Diego, but four home runs, 305 batting average. Yeah, it was buoyed up by a 390 Babbitt, but, like, I think he could easily be a 20 plus homer guy with, you know, like a 270 batting average. And uh, in the middle of that Mariners lineup, like you said, is a sneaky good, um, or at least better than I think people are giving it credit for. So Yeah, I think solid counting, mm-hmm. you know. Nothing that's going to knock your socks off, but just like put put the whole uh, put the whole thing together and it ends up being a good player because if he plays every single day, you're looking at 600 point appearances. That pushes the uh, runs ribbies up. Good pop, good average. I think the average could be sneaky, too. I think that could end up being – he could really push like a 280-plus average yeah. um, in, in when he's performing his best. 
and that could really change the dynamic of of Ty France. Yeah, I mean, it, the the projections don't give him credit for running with higher BABIPs uh, all throughout the minor leagues and even, uh, you know, in the majors a little bit. So the, they're all giving him, like, uh, you know, 280, 300 BABIP, and he's a career 328 BABIP guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so... I don't know about 270, 280, but I think 250 is pretty safe with the upside of like 260, 270, um, which is totally fine, especially that late in a draft. So, uh, yeah, France is one of those guys I did not move up in my second base ranks, and maybe I should have a little bit. He should probably, and I guess I could do it before it posts tomorrow, because um, I got him 35th in, in second base, uh, but he should probably be closer to he probably should be like in the starling castro mauricio dubon area that's, of like that's the kind of guy he can be like yeah. it's starling castro that's exactly the kind of guy that i think he can be like so i i i, I like france and I, I actually think i think the batting average is, is where a real breakout could happen because I, I do believe that in in, a, in his best season we could see something we, we could see something uh, big time, like I said, 280 plus. But projections, sure, I'll put it at, at you know 260. But uh, I think I think there's the upside for more. Uh, talk about getting pulled back in. Healthy Gregory Polanco, <laughs> tearing the freaking cover off the ball, dude. Two homers, a steal, 1545 OPS. I mean, I just if he's healthy, I just can't. I can't quit him, dude. I'm sorry. I, I, I took did. him in like the last two rounds of the Friends of Fancy Benefits Qualifier League after, or Mid Event Qualifier League. Um, after talking crap about him earlier in the live stream, how dare you? Uh, he's our, one of our guys, man. He Jeez. is, but like he, he's also burned us a million times. Yeah, it didn't stop me. I took him in the twenty third round because I knew that the uh, the hype was going to start moving him up. So I just <laughs> took him in the twenty third at the TGFBI. I don't even care. I love it. You know, I mean, here's the thing. He's healthy right now. And so he's one of those guys where, like, the moment he gets injured again, he's just going to drop off my team. But sure, I'll I'll ride, especially with guys like Lorenzo Cain, you know, dealing with early injuries or other guys dealing with early injuries. He's going to play every day because it's Pittsburgh and they don't have anybody else. And he's healthy. He's got power. He's got speed. um, And he's going extremely late. So... I'll take the gamble here and there, but he is, like, the moment he gets injured, he's off my team, and I just move on to the next guy. Sure, and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, and even as a 23rd pick, I feel the same way. Uh, I'll, I'll take it as far as it can go, but if there, if we do get that magic healthy season, it's 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 a lot of opportunity to be really good. I know we're, we're well removed from his last healthy season, and even that was only 130 games back in 2018, but it was 23 and 12 with a capable 254 batting average. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what I'm dreaming on there. And the power has actually been, like, he's been smashing the shit out of the ball um, each of these last two years. It's just that he hasn't been making enough contact. Like, he had a, three, a 37% strikeout rate in the in the shortened season. So it obscured the fact that he really was clubbing the ball because he was just doing it so infrequently. It was kind of that Bobby Dahlbeck effect that we talked about on on last uh, on the last episode. It's like, yeah, cool that you're that you're doing this, but you're so ineffective at making contact mm-hmm. that it's difficult to give you too much credit for it. Like he had a career high uh, ninety three ninety three mile per hour exit velo, um, 
114 max exit, uh, 13% barrel. This is all last year for for Polanco. 51% hard hit. All those were like career best except for the uh, max exit below. He had that in 2015 when he had a 116 marker. So there's a lot to like here with Polanco. But it's all about the health. Do not overpay. I think I think I I think I kind of hit the high mark there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go any higher than that. And I only did it because he he had had a big day that day. And again, I was worried about I was worried about you know people pushing him up. I, pay, I paid three thirty one though. Like let's not yeah, pretend you're, I you're not you're not paying the premium yeah, or anything like that. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't go wild with it. But I think that if if his draft price doesn't start with a three, then don't take Gregory Polanco because you're not getting a good enough discount for the severe injury risks that still lingers over him. But we're back in because we're suckers. Um, <laughs> Victor Robles and Sam Hilliard both have three stolen bases. They're kind of different ends here, obviously. Everyone's drafting Robles, but he does have his detractors that just don't believe he'll ever hit. And then Sam Hilliard, meanwhile, is angling for a job with the Rockies. So two two different guys here, but three stolen bases each. Quick thought on both Robles and Sam Hilliard. Uh, I mean, Robles is not only stealing bases, he's doing something much more important than that, is that is in every game so that he has played so far this spring, he has let off. Huge. It's, 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 yeah, it's gigantic. Cause I mean, this was, I mean, outside of like the crappy stat cast stuff, like the biggest concern with him has been he hits at the bottom of the lineup, either eighth or ninth, mm-hmm. depending on if there's a DH or not. So uh, the fact that the team is making a concerted effort to put him at the top of the lineup for me is huge. And um, three walks as well, by the way. A couple, th- too many strikeouts, six strikeouts, mm-hmm. but, but three walks. So he's getting deep counts. He's seeing pitches. Maybe that's a concerted effort as well because he knows if he's going to lead off that Victor Robles has to get on base at a good clip. Yeah. So, I mean, the price is rising. I'm pretty sure I wrote about him last week in the ADP market report. Uh, it's currently 137 in online championship uh, leagues over the last month. Um, I'm here for that, though. If he's going to mm-hmm. be leading off in front of uh, Soto and Bell and Schwarber, that's a lot of runs scored. That's a lot of stolen bases. You know, he's not a huge power source, but he, you know, 15 plus home runs. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm gonna be. He, he's going to be the biggest riser over the next month, I think. I think there's a big chance of that with Victor Robles. And and I'll be there for a lot of it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there, there's a cutoff, sure. But I was already a believer. And so, again, this is another one that's that's bumming me out because I was already there and everyone kind of being sour was like, yes, 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 let's sour on him. And I can, I can get him cheaper. But now he's going to start moving back up because people will see, you know, a little punch of power. With quality speed, top of that order, which I really like, by the way. I thought the uh, Schwarber and Bell moves really solidified that offense to go with the best player mm-hmm. in the in National League, or best hitter at least, um, if not overall best player in Soto. Trey Turner, of course, is still there. You mentioned Stone Castro earlier. He's just a solid, steady guy. And then if your boy Carter Keeboom breaks out, then they really do run a 1-8 to eight that can compete with most ball clubs. Yeah. Um, and, they, and that I will really... Them to... They're they're my dark horse to win the World Series. Uh, Same. I I, I rolled over my uh, Super Bowl winnings, uh, you know, bets on the Super Bowl into a the Nationals win the World Series. I love it. I actually uh, when I do my my Vsin hits, uh, Vegas Sports Information Network with Gil Alexander, and we did win totals and and World Series. 
I'm talking up the the Nats left and right. I, I like them because they're they're like third third best uh, as far as the odds. Like Mets and Braves always have the higher odds to win the division and everything. I'm like get get the Nats on a good deal right now because I think that team's being a bit slept and I think Max is going to be excellent. Uh, Strasburg looks like he's healing very well. I think Corbin's going to bounce back nicely. The four fives tough with Lester Ross. If Lester can just be like a four fifty ERA guy. Not you're not gonna want that so much in fantasy, but if he can just be a quality start machine type of guy, and every once in a while he'll get blown out, but every once in a while he'll drop seven innings of two runs, fine. Just just kind of be steady. Uh, and then that fifth spot they do need to figure out between Joe Ross, Austin Both, or maybe somebody else. But they have a decent bullpen. I like that Nats club, and I like definitely like Victor Robles. What about Sam Hilliard? Is he gonna win a job in Colorado? And if so, um, are you drafting him? You know, he's, he's got power and speed, but he strikes out a ton. What's the what's the deal with Sam Hilliard? He's 27 years old. It's kind of a make or break. Do you think he can make? I think there is going to be an opportunity for him. The hard part is if you go and look at uh, Mike Herlin's little uh, sheet about where he's hitting and stuff, and he is sitting, a, he is sitting in favor of our boy Garrett Hampson quite a bit yep so and an article from Thomas Harding on Garrett Hampson says that he's set for center field so that it kind of disagrees with the platoon situation that we're talking about on roster resource here um you know it looks like they're they want Hampson to be the starting center fielder Mm -hmm. at least according to one of the beat writers Thomas Harding yeah and and they've been playing Hampson in center field and leading him off quite a bit uh, you know, so it's either been Ramil Tapia or Garrett Hampson leading off. So, unfortunately, I think Hilliard is the odd man out right now. Um, and Hampson has kind of the inside track to that center field job. That being said, they can always move Hampson to second base. And, um, yep, they could definitely do that. Well, Brendan Rodgers is penciled there, though. and But we know his health issues. Mm-hmm. There is some maneuverability, but it's... It's less with with the emergence of C.J. Crone because he's going to take that job. McMahon looks uh, pretty locked in at third. And then if Rodgers holds second, that keeps Hampson in center, and it really cuts into uh, – th- then it becomes Hilliard versus Tapia at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think um, – I-, I took a shot on Hilliard in TGFBI. Uh, but that's late. Really late. I want to say yeah. like 25th, 26th round type thing. Yeah, he's, um, where he's dirt it's just, cheap. yeah, I mean, he's got power, he's got speed, um, and all he needs is an opportunity. Injuries could obviously work itself out, uh, you know, or, you know, hate to say it, the DH could come to the National League, and that Stop. would give him full-time playing. Stop. So. <laughs> it's not happening this year, dude. I know, but I can't go an episode without mentioning it. Yeah, it's, it's, become, it's become your bit at yeah, this point. Yeah, it is. Um, so. But yeah, so... Obviously, if, if, you know, a miracle did happen, that'd be mm-hmm. huge. But uh, it, it, it does look does look tough for him right now, but it's not over, right? Because also Tapia's never really established himself as a stud. Neither is Hampson, by the way. Mm-hmm. He is our boy, so I'm not here to shade him. And I do love that he's been leading off and is having has an angle on that center field job because you better believe I'm going to buy back in on that. I'm a complete sucker. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Hilliard out there running, showing that he's got that speed piece. If he could really cut his strikeout rate, I think that would speak more to uh, to, to improvements for him. He does have 
four strikeouts in his 20, uh, 20 plate appearances, which is not bad. 20% rate is fine because a lot of his strikeout rates have started with the three. Uh, and that's been that's been the tough part about Hilliard. So if he is kind of keeping it in the low to mid-20s, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. I, I think they would like to see that. And, hey, as a lefty, if you do, if you are in a platoon, you can still get a lot of plate appearances. Yeah. So and, I there mean, might this is a situation. Time. It may end up being where all of these guys rotate. Uh, yeah, Hilliard, top Tapia, and Hanson, just, yep. just kind of each of them plays five days a week. And, you know, and, and, and you know – even if Brendan Rodgers does kind of have the second base job, he can still get a breather um, for Hampson to come into the uh, to the dirt, and then Tapia, Hilliard, and Blackman start. You know, yeah. so th- there is some playing time there. And again, make sure your Hilliard pick is starting with a three. Anything be- you know lower than that, you're really pushing it too high. He's like that Gregory Polanco. You shouldn't have to pay much to get him. And so, if you want to take that shot, feel free to do so. Mm-hmm. All right, closing time. We're doing it again. We're finishing it up. Let's get into it. Let's uh, NL Central here. Now, I've thought about it since we talked about it. I chastised you for mm-hmm. ranking Greg Kimbrell like fourth or whatever you did. You I, I ranked him ninth. Same diff. Still vile. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think you used an alias on my Closer Tears piece to comment. Hey, did you see what uh, Did you see what Greg Kimbrell did in his last eight outings or whatever the heck? Uh, listen, it was really good. It was it was it was awesome. Like that that is absolutely true. And a guy like that who has obviously a track record as the literal best closer in baseball for quite a while, even on a small sample, that's worth noting. Seven and a third, thirteen punches, zero walks in mm-hmm. his final eight outings for Craig Kimbrell. It's a matter of how much you believe in that. I think the the interesting part is that um his bottom line is still so bad, which tells you how rough yeah. the, the, the start. Because with that, you know, eight outings in an eighteen outing season—that's a—that's a giant portion. And he still wound up with a five twenty-eight ERA, a one forty-four WHIP, uh, seven walks per nine. And that's why I was like, dude, what? Like, what are you talking about? His last two outings or something? But no, it—it it, it was all September, and it was really good. All but one outing had a strikeout. And uh, all but two outings had two strikeouts in that run. And even if you go before that, if you just lop off the first four, which I believe you mentioned, it was 12 and two-thirds, 26 strikeouts, seven walks, four hits, two earned. And that's, uh, again, that's uh, 14 out of 18 appearances. But it was those four that really did damage. And I guess it's like, can he avoid, you know, a couple of four-start runs like that this year or or four-outing runs over the course of the six-month season. Now, I don't know if you've investigated this or not, but did you see any changes that were that were obvious, like on on mechanics or or pitch mix or anything that stood out in that run there that said that okay, Kimberwell's made some real changes and he's kicking butt because the numbers are impressive if you take off those first four outings for him. So I give you I give you some uh, some time to speak about him because he did rank him high. And I'm coming around. I'm still not putting him top ten. I still think that's too high. But I'm 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 peeling back from my "Are you a psychopath?" comment from Tuesday. <laughs> well, and I mean, here's the thing. It's like you know, and I, I made this comment on Twitter, like you know, because I dropped my starting or my my relief pitcher ranks, and then immediately regretted everywhere I ranked guys. Um, and this is why I hate doing relief pitcher ranks um, because it is an absolute nightmare. Um, 
and uh, and Kimbrel. Like I don't think Kimbrel made any huge adjustments. Uh, I just think he kind of struggled to get the feel of things early. I wonder if the kind of the ramp up, then ramp down, then ramp back up, maybe affected him. Uh, and so you know he was very clean at the end of the season, um, or really for the last month of the season. That being said, he has not looked good in spring. <laughs> like no joke, my article posts, and then like first first outing after my article post that day, he gives up a huge bomb. Um, so like this could, here's the thing. Like, I think he's got the job. The reason I ranked him as high as I did is I think he has the job locked in. Roman Wick or Rowan Wick is, uh, injured right now. Uh, like who they going to, are they going to go to Brandon Workman who was atrocious last year? Are they going to go to, you know, MVP vote getter Ryan Tapera? Um, I guess they could go to Tapera. I think he's got the first crack of the job. I think, they would like to try to build up his value as much as possible and then trade him midseason to a contender. Um, and so I think they're going to give him quite a bit of rope as the guy. Uh, whether or not he can deliver on that is another subject. And I am definitely going to move him out of the top 10. How far out of the top 10 is a different question because, yes, he, Kenley Jansen should be above him. All right. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I can definitely get on board with that. Uh, but, and as much as I like Archie Bradley, like there are questions on whether or not he's the guy. Like we haven't yeah, that, seen. That is your guy, but that that's, it's, we still have to uh, acknowledge Hector Neris and the fact that he has 70 saves yeah. over the last three seasons. So maybe he drops behind Rafael Montero. Maybe he, drop, he can even potentially drop behind Greg Holland. Mm-hmm. But I have a hard time putting him below guys who are clearly better skills-wise in Kerenchak and Nick Anderson, just because I don't know what kind of save totals they're going to get. That, that's fair. And by the way, with mine, I did tiers. They're not it, – it's hard because it's not like a straight ranking. Uh, you have to kind of look at the tier. I mean, within the tiers, they, they're ranked. So he's in a, he's in tier four, Craig Kimberly is, with Greg Holland, Kirby Yates, Rafael Montero, Richard Rodriguez, Joaquin Soria, and then it's Kimbrel. That's uh, the locked-in guy, dot, 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 for now. And the the tier right above that is the guy that you're t- the guys that you're talking about, those firemen who can close. But mm-hmm. we just don't know. Nick Anderson, James Karinchak, Jordan Hicks, Amir Garrett, um, Colome, because Colome versus Rogers, and then Smith, because Will Smith versus Chris Martin. They're a little different. I think the Colome and Smith, but that was the best tier to fit them in. But those other four guys are like, they could easily be pitching in the seventh inning most nights and still get you 12 saves. You just don't know where it's going to go. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't have Kimbrell necessarily like 25th, even though it might look like that based on the tiers. It's just that um, I I just don't have a lot of trust that he's going to get me through the entire year. But he could be one of those guys that even if he has like a 410 ERA and, and, you know, 135 whip still gets you 35 saves. And and that does play as long as you – are, are covering for it saves are saves and i know that that's part of why some people hate saves shouts nick pollock but they do play and i just don't know that they're going to turn to anybody else unless he's a nightmare yeah. i still think he has a pretty long leash despite uh d- despite some of the trouble that we've seen from kimbrell in recent years yeah and then that's why i kind of have ranked him kind of where he is like i said he'll go down but like he's he's got the role and 
I don't know that there's anybody else there that they want to give it to. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, saves are saves. Now, yeah, he, he could be awful, though. That's the hard part. In, yeah. in full disclosure, I haven't been drafting him. I may have him ranked ninth, but the thing about closer is, like, I'd much rather invest, like, a 200th, you know, pick in Greg Holland than a 150 pick in Craig Kimbrell. Say, uh, say that last part again. I'm sorry. I, 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 I would rather invest like a 200th pick overall pick in Greg Holland than a 150th pick in, in Craig Kimbrell. So yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm because I not, think Holland not going to end up know, with Kimbrell. Holland has a good chance to hold it all year because they might not be awful. The Royals, they might be in that giants position a couple years ago where they can't really sell because they're, they're too close to, uh, you know, that second wild card, even if people don't really believe in them. I think enough things could go right for them. Plus, again, he could be traded into yeah. being a closer elsewhere. Greg Holland has a ton of experience. And if he pitches like he did in 2020, then he absolutely will be sought after to, to close for somebody because he was great. So, yeah, I definitely see that. Uh, but, yeah, just be careful with Craig Kimbrell, folks. Just just be careful. Let's talk about another guy that uh, we, we just spoke about in that fireman role, Amir Garrett in Cincinnati. That's That job is open. He doesn't think it is. A- ask him, and he tells you he's got that job. And he and Lucas Sims have had some fun bantering about it, with stuff like that I love to see. Only problem is Sims is now dealing with a bulky elbow, and which so has delayed is, him in spring. So is Amir Garrett. Oh, wait, I missed that. When did yeah, that happen? Yesterday. So he's dealing oh, with forearm geez. soreness. Oh, that's which, the worst. Which is not good. So, uh, like, yeah, this Cincinnati oh, I situation missed, I missed that. Sorry. is um, kind of becoming a nightmare. Yep. Uh, they they traded away, like, or, or non-tendered a lot of their relievers who were kind of the their back Actually, guys. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter that. I'm going to say it's not a nightmare scenario, though. It does suck that those two got hurt because those two are the, you know, the sexy picks that could really be, you know, that next great closer type with Garrett and Lucas Sims. But if he's healthy, why wouldn't they just turn to Doolittle and he goes back to being Sean Doolittle? Because he's never healthy. <laughs> like I mean, like right. he, is he healthy right now though? Um, that's a good question. That's a, that's a genuine question. I actually don't. I, I don't, don't know, know the answer either. So I will. I will look it up. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Doolittle becomes the the guy to target right now if you're targeting um, someone in uh, in he's Cincinnati. In spring. Oh, he's been absolutely pummeled. Yeah. Seven runs in two innings with four homers and four walks. I don't want to freak out over two innings, but it's hard to just, like, say that that's a spring tune-up when it's, when it's that tough. Yeah, but he's also been working on a breaking ball. Okay. Okay. So, let's let's hope it, that that's. I'm not for me with Sean Doolittle. It's not necessarily about the results in spring. It's he's on a mountain. He's pitching. I know, but those are so bad, dude. You know, and he's you know he's been throwing 91 to 93, hit 94. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it hasn't been effective necessarily, but he's got the velocity we kind of expect from him. He's he's pitching. He's one of these one of the three guys on in this bullpen that we've been targeting uh, that is pitching. You know, mm-hmm. the question becomes: Do they make Anton uh, a reliever, or you know, he's been battling for that fifth starter role? I don't think he's going to get it. But they do they say, hey, maybe you're the closer. Now that 
is interesting because he's a favorite of the fantasy community right now. He's really moving up. People are very excited about Antone. He could go so many different ways. He could find his way into the rotation. Mm-hmm. He could uh, be a fireman and have and be good enough to where he's like a Devin Williams, where you want to take him because he's getting two innings every time and just getting so much uh, goodness with the ratios and strikeouts. Or now with the door open, he could close. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where are you drafting him right now? Because like I said, the market is hot on him. Uh, is it getting too hot for you to jump in, or are you still looking at him? I haven't gotten him anywhere so far. The market isn't like awful on him. He, you know, he's picked three twenty right I, I, now. I think no. I think there's once some drafts close and you tighten that that date window. No, he went two ninety nine in in my TGFBI league uh, to Jeff Erickson, who is a Reds yeah. fan and a, a very good uh, player and smart analyst. So. I mean, he went about that in mind too. 293 in mind. I'm not gonna take him very high above 300, just because then you're taking him over guys who I'm pretty sure have a closing job. Yeah, uh, and we don't know what his role is gonna be. He could be a guy who ends up being the closer. He could end up being this year's Tyler Molly, where we thought he was starting as the long man and ended up in the rotation because Wade Miley is Wade Miley. <laughs> um so roasted uh i i think there is he, i definitely think he's worth the gamble but like hunter harvey's going like 280 something and like i'm pretty sure hunter harvey is going to be closing uh, at least a fair amount of games if not all the games in baltimore so i'm not going to take him over a guy like that but i think he's definitely a guy that is a worthy gamble you know just inside the top 300 yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with that as long as it doesn't start to get into like 250 or something like that. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I don't want to see. Um, but yeah, with the Cincinnati job, I, I'm still drafting a Garrett right now. But that is that is nerve wracking that uh, that he's dealing with forearm tightness. I hadn't seen that. And then I think 50 round draft and hold right now, and NL only is, is the only are the only places where I'm taking Sean Doolittle. Um, Again, I, I really don't want to overreact to that those numbers, but they're so aggressively bad, even yeah, in two innings. It's the four homers, four walks that for me that I wouldn't like. How much of that is how much of that is the breaking ball though? Like, yeah, I mean, come on, I, I wouldn't over. I mean, here's the thing: like his price is nothing right now. That yeah, that I know, I know, I know. So you're taking he, he he's going at three fifty five over the last month in online championship leagues, which means. <laughs> He's not even being drafted in every online championship league. Exactly. He's one of these guys where you can take him late in the draft, put him on your roster, he's on the reserve list, see if he gets a save in that first, you know, three three games, you know, before that fat period. And uh, if he does, then you hold on to him and you see what happens. And if he doesn't, you drop him, you go pick up the next guy. The interesting thing, though, is if he does stay healthy and Doolittle does get an opportunity, like you said about that that first weekend there, if Garrett – you know, he's going to be out for the first week of the season only or something. And and maybe you really are only getting Doolittle just for those potential couple saves like we were, had been talking about with Zach Britton um, with Aroldis Chapman being suspended. By the way, Britton d- down now. So Chad Green is the guy to do that, uh, do that little trick with if that's something that you're interested in. If you're trying to turn over every rock for every little save you could get, I think Chad Green is somebody to maybe use your last pick on. Just try to get two saves in that Toronto series while Chapman's suspended and then cut him on that Sunday night for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ne- next up, this is this is the biggie. 
Um, you know, we, we, we both have met two now, but Josh mm-hmm. Hader in Milwaukee uh, and Devin Williams creeping. But Devin Williams is not healthy right now. Yeah. So there's been a lot of discussion about both these guys. One, one part, part of the discussion is, you know, can we trust Hader? Should he even be number two? Um, are they going to fireman him again and and turn to Williams? But then two, can they turn to Williams because of of his bulky shoulder right now? So where do you come out on the Milwaukee situation, and where would you draft these two guys? Uh, I actually don't have Hader two. I have Hader three. Oh um, yeah, that's right. You have Chapman ahead. Pardon me, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, I yep. just feel more yep. comfortable. I mean, Hader could easily be the number one reliever in fantasy. So, I mean, we we've seen the upside. The upside is huge, especially because he can go multiple innings. And you could end up, you know, after an outing of his having, you know, five strikeouts and a save. Um, you know, so, I mean, there there's a ton of upside in Hater. You know, gave up some home runs. Has they gave up two more homers in spring, and that's the issue that yeah. we're worried about. Yeah, gave up another homer yesterday. Like, uh, I'm a little bit concerned. I think he, I think he's definitely the guy. Like, um, And I have him ranked third, so, like, I, I'm not like extremely concerned. Yeah. Um, the homers, you know, have been an issue over the last two seasons. The more concerning thing for me than the homers uh, were the walks ticking up the way they did mm-hmm. in, in the short sample of 2020. I mean, he had an almost 13% walk rate. Um, and so then you add in those homers and you're like, oh, okay, those homers are no longer solo shots. They're two run shots or three run shots. And that yes. becomes a bit more concerning. I just think yeah, Chapman, he gave up homers. He gave up homers in in nineteen as well, mm-hmm. but he wasn't walking the yard. Hater wasn't, yeah. so that's why they weren't as problematic. But then the homer rate or walk rate, excuse me, doubled, and that was the alarming thing about twenty. Yeah, and so I'm, uh, I think I'm more comfortable with Chapman. Um, you know, it's a better team, so more opportunities. Uh, there isn't a you know, especially now with Zach Britton down there, uh, there isn't a Devin Williams behind him. Uh, and so I'm, I'm probably steering away from this whole Milwaukee situation. I'm really, really, really concerned about Devin Williams not being able to pitch until March 17th at the earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know like if he's a reliever, so it's not going to take him very much to ramp up, but sure. the fact that he's not on a mound right now, um, and there isn't necessarily a concrete timetable for him to be on one, uh, concerns me greatly. He, he again has huge upside. Like if if he is healthy and pitching the way he was last year, uh, and then Hayter get does get traded um, or is ineffective, like he could be a top five closer easily. But the but the price is so expensive. Yeah, I'm just not paying it. That's the tough part. It's like you're you're supposed to be looking for the next Williams, not mm-hmm. really paying the premium for him. And I understand that it's you know it's fun to dream on what his 80 inning season could look like uh, with the strikeouts and the ratios, chip in saves, chip in wins, you know, it's, it's, it's hater before he was closing. Yeah. Um, like I, I totally get that, but that's so expensive. It's so, especially with the shoulder, if he was fully healthy, I could back it a little bit more. And, and I would just say, you know, it's one of those things. It's a luxury that you have to plan for, but you can definitely do it. But as is, I I don't know, man. That that's the tough part for me. Is like, you know, he's he's like, kind of regularly goes in in the top what one fifty one seventy for a guy that, you know, is just a middle reliever right now. 
Um, so yeah, with, with injury concern again, that's that's the real key here with Devin Williams. So be careful. I understand your trepidation with this with this entire situation right now. I have Hayner at two behind Hendricks. You have him at three behind Hendricks and Chapman. I think we're both justified in that. I don't think it's out of bounds if you still have him first. I think Justin mm-hmm. and I are just taking. Uh, just really taking everything in and, and having it cause a, a dip here. Because I will say, even with the home runs and walks being a problem last year, he still led the NL in saves. Yep. Like that's how good Hayter is. He creates his own margin for error uh, by just being so devastating with his fastball. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up. Oh, our boy, Richard Rodriguez, who we, uh, who we argued over, uh, but you had to, you had to PTI it a little bit. Cause I know yeah. you like Rich Rod. The the only downside here, well, not only, I guess he could he, he he could flop, but he's been a good reliever for three years now with Pittsburgh. He's finally got an opportunity at some saves at the end of last year, and now he has the job from day one. But he's getting traded, and we you know it's just that whole we don't know if he's getting traded into a closer's role or setup role, and we can't know that. Like there's there's no way to know that going in. I'm still happy to take him, though, because the price isn't too high. That risk is all already factored in as far as, uh, you know, when, when you when you pay for R- Richard Rodriguez. So I'm not even that that worried about it to the to the degree that uh, that I feel like, oh, no, I can't take him. So I'm still taking Rich Rod um, pretty comfortably as like my my second closer. And in some cases, uh, he's been my third closer because he just falls because he's on Pittsburgh and people are like, Blah, I don't want him. It's like, okay, that's fine. And uh, he went pick 195 in my TGFBI, which I thought was perfectly fair. If he had made it back to me at the end of the – that was the end of the 13th, so he would have had to come back a whole nother 15 picks to get to me. But I would have taken him there. Um, but I'd already had I'd already had Hendricks and Hicks, so I felt, I felt good. Um, but, yeah, Richrod I think is fairly priced for what he is. I think at, at worst you're getting a half season of saves with Pittsburgh, which should be – Double digits, solidly. And then the second half of the season could be a little bit of a toss-up. But with your second or third closer, you don't have to plan that far ahead anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Or you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be expecting, like, Joaquin Soria's closing all year for me. I'm getting 30 saves. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tap the brakes there. There's only so many guys that you can really plan for six months from anyway. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like he's going 187 right now in online championship drafts. Over the last month, he's the guy in Pittsburgh. There's no one threatening him for that role as long as he's not healthy. at all. Yep. So, uh, and like I said, he's going to get traded. So, worst case scenario, you bank 13 and 14 saves from him in the first half, and then he becomes a setup man, and you just drop him. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Best case scenario, he gets traded to a contender that is going to continue using him as the closer, and now you've got a guy that may get you 30 plus saves. Um, you know, on a better team. So exactly. Uh, I mean, I think there is an argument to have him above Kimbrel. I don't, but I think there's an argument, and they definitely should be closer than my initial rankings uh, were. Yeah, and I and I did actually have him ab- above him. They were in that same tier, um, except you know when I the tier was they're the closer for now with Kimbrel. It was because of how suspect he can be with with Rodriguez. It was just because he's going to get traded. So I'm with you there. We like Rich Rod. I'm not touching like Kyle Crick or anything behind him. It's Rich Rod or bust as far as Pittsburgh goes. And you can deal with who might take over for him uh, once he's traded. Exactly. All right. St. Louis, another scenario that's that's rife with opportunity because whoever gets the job is a really good reliever. 
but we just don't know exactly who it is. It seems like they want Hicks back in that role sooner than later, though. They just don't ever seem to want to commit to Giovanni Gagos, no matter how well he pitches. And, you know, with Hicks, it's kind of like you can kind of say that they're just saying injury has not has not cost you your job because that's all it was like. He, he was the closer. He had 14 saves in 2019 before he went down with TJ. And now they're saying, hey, you're back. You're going to be worked back into your role, which I think is is fair. Um, it's just he is coming back from TJ. He skipped 2020 because he, he's also a, a diabetic. And so he didn't want to take the risk. Totally get that. Um, I drafted him in TGFBI, as I mentioned. I, I, I think he's going to have the job. So even if he doesn't start with it in like the first week or so, the goal is to get him in that gig. And I think they're going to do that. What do you think of the St. Louis situation with uh, Hicks and Gallegos specifically, as well as some dark horses? But I think it's between those two right now. Yeah, I think it's between those two as well. But I also think other guys could factor in. I mean, right now, Roster Resource has it as a four horseman yeah. of the apocalypse. And that's how I feel. I mean, Hicks obviously has huge upside. Um, and supposedly he has looked good in spring. I don't know that he is or he, i think he's had some b games right um yeah on the b side so he, he hit like 102 apparently on yeah. uh, in early march and everything so you know he's got he's got the gas back and everything it's the velocity is uh, never an issue though right i mean yeah exactly. the issue with tj returnees is command and control i think well, and that was his issue before that too so that's mm-hmm. that kind of compounds everything and i mean i think people forgot like before he opted out last year he had a setback in his recovery from Tommy John like mm-hmm. so i i think that hicks has the inside track um and but i also don't think he's guaranteed to get the role or not share the role so i don't know that i'm investing in this bullpen uh, especially with hicks i mean if i'm going to invest in the bullpen i might invest in gallegos or Alex Reyes, or Andrew Miller, um, just because they're going much cheaper than him, the price jump on Hicks is gonna it is becoming unreal. He has uh, he's already at pick two hundred right now in online championship leagues. He's gone. Yeah, I paid a lot early as one thirty six. Paid one eighty. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned that that price is going to continue to go up right now it's not unreasonable necessarily we'll see um you know i, I think you're right though because once he gets into uh a games that are uh, counting on the stats and everything so people can go look up what he's doing or, or watch mm-hmm. him on tv perhaps uh, that could add to the interest in him which which would push that price up so i was happy to kind of get in here at 180 i don't think i would pay much higher so if it does go further than then that will be my only share of hicks and I have Liam Hendricks, so I felt like I've got the best guy. I can take a bit of a gamble here. And then I also got Joaquin Soria, another little bit of a gamble. We're going to talk about him next. And I'll take one other bullpen piece from somewhere late in the draft, and I feel like I'll be fine with what I've got there. And then everything else I can kind of work through the season. So I understand with with 180, that's high. I, I paid a premium. I absolutely did. But the upside is tremendous, and I do feel good about where he's at right now. But I would not pay much higher at all on Jordan Hicks. I'd be very careful about if he's creeping 150 plus or, or 150 or lower, I should say. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want without without a declaration. 
okay, March 20th, they say Jordan Hicks is the guy, lock it in. Sure, that changes things. Sure. But as, I doubt they're going to do that. So as it stands right now, I think 180 is my peak. Yeah, and even the problem with 180 is that means he's going ahead of guys that are locked in. So he's going ahead of Greg Holland. He's going mm-hmm. ahead of Richard Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'd rather have the guarantee, get the guarantee that my guy is locked in, uh, especially in situations like Pittsburgh, especially situations like Kansas City, where not only are the guys locked in, there's, I mean, I guess Josh Stalmount can close, but there's no yeah, real but competition. Yeah, but he walks the yard, dude. Yeah, there's no competition for those guys. Whereas I like Hicks, and if Hicks is healthy, you know, he could be a monster, but there's still competition there. Like, they could conceivably mm-hmm. go, hey, let's not put a set guy in the ninth, or let's put our best reliever in Jordan Hicks in more high leverage situations. So I'm, I'm probably not going to end up with Jordan Hicks. It may end up being a mistake because I mean, he is amazing when he's healthy and pitching, but I just, I, you know, when I'm getting to this point, I'm usually just drafting for saves. My, my ratios and strikeouts are already pretty set. I just want a guy who's going to close and I'm not sure that Hicks will. That's all fair. That's that's all fair. Like I said, I paid a premium on him. I'm hoping to to strike it big. I don't think I would have done it without having my number one guy in Liam Hendricks uh, on the squad there. So I, I will say that that definitely played a role with my comfort in taking the Hicks shot there. All right, let's move to the NL West. Joaquin Soria is the guy in Arizona right now. I know some folks are really in on Stephen Crichton as as you know a dirt cheap option there. By the way, I don't really see that. Even even if you don't love Soria, I just nothing about Crichton really stands out to me um, as to why I would be all that interested in in the 29 year old. Like he doesn't he doesn't have good swing and miss at all. Um, so the strikeouts aren't very impressive. The walk rate is fine. He keeps the ball in the yard, but uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's Soria until they trade him, and that's kind of where I'm at with with Arizona. How do you see the how do you see that job going? Yeah, I mean, I think Soria, and, and the reports were that Soria did take less money to go to Arizona, you know, in with the idea that he was going to be the guy there. Yeah, um, or at least be given that, yeah, that be given real an opportunity. shot to start. Um, and so I think that that is the case. To I start think. with the job, by the way, not to start. I made it sound like I, to, to, that he wants to get back in the rotation. No, sorry, yeah, no. Sorry. Yeah, no, so I think Soria is the guy. And uh, I've drafted Soria a fair amount. Uh, already because i do think he's locked in at least for the early you know early season you know he's probably going to get traded he's a guy that could get traded and not be a closer but whatever i'll get my 12 13 saves from him and then i'll go find it somewhere else because he's so cheap uh i mean he went in in the friends of his benefits made him a qualifier Crichton went ahead of soria um and i was like oh wow yeah i mean he went two picks uh ahead of my spot um, and then I was like, well, okay, you can take Crichton, but I'm, I'm not going to let you have Soria just to lock up Arizona saves. Uh, so I'll, I'll take Soria as my, my closer two or three. I can't remember which one he was, um, mm-hmm. and be pretty happy with it. Uh, you know, Soria definitely has some red flags. The walk rate went up. Um, he didn't allow very many homers, uh, last year, which is always good. Uh, but he's not pitching in Oakland anymore. Not that Arizona is a bad place to pitch, but especially with the humidor, the, the teams he's going to be going up against may be a That's little bit better quality yep. of competition. So, uh, 
I still think he has it. I mean, he's the, you know, proven guy, right? Um, and, uh, and they want to keep other people's uh, arbitration numbers down. So I think Joaquin Soria is a pretty safe bet. Yep. I, I, I see it exactly how you do. Very cheap. Can easily be your third closer, too, depending on how you attack saves. Um, and and that, that works for me. Get, get my double digits and move out. All right, next one is Colorado. And I love the Daniel Bard story. It is so awesome that after seven years uh, and just, you know, a mess with how things went, he had the yips, like it just, it really melted down after a bright start for Bard. Seven years out of the game, he comes back and is the best we've ever seen him in the majors. Throwing 97 again, strikeout rate back on point, walk rate, very manageable, 9%. That's fine. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has uh, a career 11% that spiked as high as 15% for or 16% for 2012, which was 59 innings. And that's that year he walked more than he struck out. 16% walk rate, 14% strikeout rate. So, you know, he hit the bottom of the barrel, comes back, kicks butt, grabs four wins, six saves. He's the guy, but it's Colorado. So I don't really want to mess with it. It's one of those things where I love the story. I love the guy, but it's Colorado, dude. I just don't want to be there. What do you think? Yeah, you can root for a guy and not want to draft him. Yeah, that's so, exactly where I'm at. I, I root for him as a person and as a player, and I hope he does really, really well. He just won't do it on my team because I'm, I'm just not Bingo. investing in Colorado saves. Uh, and definitely not. In, I mean, if they had like, if they had a really established guy with a long track record, uh, sh- you know, I might go for it. But, or if they were, or if, I th- if I thought they were going to be good, yeah, I think that's the that. thing too, because he's 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 in this Arizona Pittsburgh level of of wins, and and why wouldn't they trade him? He's thirty six. Oh, they're definitely going to trade him if he's if he's effective. Uh, he may be the first person traded this season. Yeah. So and so then there's Michael Gibbons, Scott Ober coming back from from thoracic outlet, um, but again. I know saves are saves. I know you NL only folks. You do have to pay attention here because you can't really you can't really leave any rock unturned. But yeah, for me, I, I play almost exclusively mixers at this point. Daniel Bard rooting for you big time. You just just can't be on the squad. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. This one's a quick one too. It's Kenley Jansen. It's his job. He's going to have an extremely long leash. Um, I really believe that, especially in the regular season. I know how the postseason played out and I talked about that in my write-up there about how you know they were turning to Arias uh and and um who else got one I can't remember uh who got Trinan. uh Blake Trinan Trinan and Arias got saves in, in critical game five and game six wins that does nothing for me as far as uh moving away from Jansen in the regular season he will have I mean it would take a real meltdown like I think you know seven of eight outings in a row would have to be really bad. Like, I think it, it's that kind of problem that would have to hit. And yes, Trinan is the short-term villain, but I still think they're grooming Bruce Dargratterall to take the reins when they do move on from Jansen. I just don't see them moving on from him this year. So I think he's the locked-in guy, and he's a perfectly capable closer one for me. Uh, I mean, I think he's a perfectly capable closer one. I'm not as confident that he does have a extremely long leash. I think he has a medium size to maybe long size leash. But there's nothing to worry about though. Like his stats were excellent in 2020. Yeah, and I, and so I'm not I'm not saying like like he's still a top 10 closer for me, for sure. Um and like I said, I'm going to move him above Kimbrel. But Thanks. like he 
doesn't belong in the tier above him. He's the top of that third tier for me. Um, That's fine. I had him at the bottom of the second, top of the third. They're kind of the same diff, but I, I feel you. My concerns with Kenley have, you know, one, the struggles, obviously, right, um, that we've seen, especially in the playoffs. But two, it's the last year of his contract. And so they no longer have to worry about, oh, we've got money attached to this. The money is now sure. sunk cost. So, um, and they did sign Blank Trinan to a two-year deal, um, mm-hmm. maybe to be the bridge to Gratterall. So they do have a ton of options on that team that could close if he falters. Now, I do think it would take quite a bit, but maybe not quite as much as you do. And so I'm not. De- I'm definitely not going to put him above Hand or Presley or Iglesias or Diaz or Rosenthal or even put him in the same tier as those guys. Uh, but I feel like if you miss out on those guys, he's definitely the top of that third tier. Yeah. Yeah, so we're pretty close on him. I just have a little bit more confidence. I think also because, like, Trinan didn't – he bounced back a bit, but he wasn't that good in 20. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his strikeout rate, pedestrian, 21%. Got the walk rate back down. It, it spiked to 14% in 2019. He cut that in half, back down to 7. Uh, started keeping the ball in the yard again. Like, he just had a disastrous 19. He did rebound from that, but he didn't rebound back to – you know, all bold Blake Trinan, the guy that we saw in 2018 who was devastatingly excellent. So I guess that's why I don't sh- – you know, I think that it, Jansen would really have to falter. But Trinan would be the guy. I put Ruzdar Gratterall as my next up. I should have been – like I, I did do a little note. I said Trinan would be the short-term uh, fill-in. Mm-hmm. I grant that if anything happens, like I said, you know, and it's just going to be a two-week deal for uh, Jansen on the I.L., they would go to Trinan. I wanted to highlight that Gratterall is the next guy, though, so that if you are, I mean, you shouldn't be going too far in keeper leagues as far as trying to draft closers, but I feel like he could close as, as early as next year. Yeah. So if you are in something where you're planning for just even next year, Gratterall, I think, is going to be their guy um, because of how much they like him. I, I can't All remember right. who said it, but somebody said it on a podcast recently. It might have been Fred Zinke and Jeff Erickson that uh, – Kenley Jansen has just gone from an elite guy to a pretty good guy. And that's yeah. fine. I'm fine with and that. Exactly. Good guy. That's completely fine. I'm happy to take him. Uh, he's kind of boring. You know, one really does the oohs and ahs when you take him or, or feels like they were sniped. And that's okay. That's okay. Just take him. He's still the best team's closer. And I'm, I'm all good with that. Uh, now, this situation is super murky. Th- there is a guy who could have the San Francisco job and probably should be given the reins, mm-hmm. but they're. That's just not Gabe Kapler's style. So I don't think Jake McGee is like the locked in guy. He's he's the anybody. He's the only guy I'm drafting in that bullpen. He had a nice rebound last year, and if it weren't for Daniel Bard, maybe he would have been comeback player of the year because after his Colorado finish there in 18 and 19, he was kind of left for dead as like okay, he's no longer a good reliever. He bounced all the way back to the point where he had his best strikeout and walk rates. Now that was in 20 innings versus you know full seasons elsewhere back in Tampa when he was a a stud. But he has closing experience even as a lefty. Um, there are lefties in that bullpen, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't need to save him. But that's just not Kapler's MO to anoint a single guy and really stick with him. So as much as I like McGee and he is the only one I would draft, he's still very, 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 very low for me. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you nailed it. It's it's not, you know, if, if it went to the guy based on skills, it would be McGee, right? Um, All day. Oh, yeah. And I don't think there'd be much question about that. And there has been talk about him being 
kind of the lead guy of that committee, but it's going to be a committee. Aside from Kapler's tendencies, the organization as itself. I mean, just look at their offense. They're they're platooning everybody. So why <laughs> would they mix and match in the bullpen too? They're going to try to op- – this isn't a team that is flush with talent, um, and so they're trying to optimize every possible scenario. And so uh, as much as I like Jake McGee, and, you know, in TGFBI, he was there in the 26th round for my wife, and she scooped him up, and I was like, oh, that's a really, really smart pickup, uh, you know. Right. Because he'll probably get 12 or 13 saves. And if that's your RP3 or RP4 in a 12-teamer, uh, that's a uh, that's a pretty nice buy. Because I think he's going to be very good. They're going to let fans back in the stadium, so that gate's going to be open and that jet stream will be cut off a little bit. Um, so I, it's going to play better for pitchers than it did last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, uh, I like McGee, but don't expect that you're getting 20-plus saves because I don't think anybody on this team is getting 20-plus saves. Yep, exactly how it goes. And then the last one here is very cloudy. Um, even though it's one of the best teams in the league, the Padres do not have a set guy, I don't think. Pomeranz is who I think the fantasy community really wants. Uh, Emilio Pagan is, has his believers, but I just I think he lost too many homers to really get the job. And then old steady Eddie boring Mark Melanson there <laughs> saying, hey, I've got closing experience for days. You can keep you could keep uh, Pagan and Pomeranz in fireman roles, and I could be here just making sure I don't walk anybody and I don't give up homers. I'm not going to strike anybody out, so make sure that defense is on point, but I do like to get a bunch of saves. Like, I, I, I think it could absolutely be Melanson. I want it to be Pomeranz. But Melanson is just lurking there for me. How do you see the uh, how do you see the San Diego situation playing out? I think it's Melanson. I think Pomeranz will get some sneaky saves here and there, but I think it's more of a you know uh, two thirds to Melanson, one third to Pomeranz um, because they don't have a ton of lefties in this bullpen. All they have is Tim Hill, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think they're going to lean on Melanson. I think that's the reason they signed him. I don't think he signed there thinking he was not going to get opportunities uh, as much as the underlying statistics on Melanson haven't been great. All he does is produce is very column a ask. Uh, I think, yeah, I th- if I'm going to invest in a guy, I don't mind actually double dipping and getting both sure. Melanson and Pomeranz, but if I'm only going to get one, it's going to be Melanson. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, it's, it's, Got to draft from my head, not my heart, because I love what Pomerantz has become as a reliever. But that makes him so valuable to them across the middle innings that I think that that's just what they want to do with him. And this is the this is the standard uh, of of the game today. Of like, yeah, we're not putting our best reliever in the closers role because we realize that that's not always the most efficient. Because they're not putting a loser in there. Like Mark Melanson was actually pretty boss in 2020 at a 278 ERA. Uh, 128 whip a little high because he did allow a few hits, but it, you know his ERA has been over four once in the last nine seasons, uh, or been over 361, let's say. And then uh, he, like I said, doesn't walk guys, doesn't doesn't give up homers, and you love that. And that's why I think it's him over Pagan because Pagan is a home run machine, 1.6 per nine and 204 major league innings. That's that you just can't have that in the ninth. That's the quickest way. To just uh, blow the game is to give up a homer, and so I, th- I think it is Melanson versus Pomeranz here, and I think Melanson's going to win it. So be careful with those Pomeranz shares because they're expensive, and while he can be, you know, a Devin Williams type, 
again, the idea with those players is you're supposed to find the next one dirt cheap. Yeah. So, all right, we did it. We covered closers. We went a little long on this one. That's uh, that's Nick Pollock's line. Uh, we we don't worry about going long. They they do, and that's uh, or Alex does, and that's why Nick uh, taunts him with that. Uh, but yeah, we're happy to do that. We haven't had we haven't had a, over an hour and a half in a minute, so it's a, a good one here to finish on. Justin, great talking with you this week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you next week. Take it easy.